All right, John, I've known you a long time. We've talked manual transmissions Mm -hmm. on previous episodes. We have talked about just adventures with manual transmissions, you rebuilding them, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things. One thing that I do not know about you is how did you learn how to drive manual? Did someone tell you or My dad. show you? My he dad showed taught you? me. Yep. On uh, Project XJ, the first manual trans I learned how to drive on. I uh, just learned out in the backfield and before I even got a permit or a driver's license was driving to, you know, grandpa's farm and down the back roads out where I live and everything. Oh, okay. Well, oh. see now that you and I share that then because mm-hmm. Um, my dad taught me how to drive manual, and this is how he did it. Um, back on the farm, when I was about 12 years old, we were hauling a bunch of wood chips from the front to the back of the farm. Mm-hmm. And my dad was operating the tractor, and we had an old 64 Chevy dump truck nice. that was a four-speed manual. And he's like, you need to start driving, you know, running the dump truck back and forth. And uh, I don't know I don't know how to drive manual. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I'd barely even ever driven a car, a little bit on the farm with an automatic, not much. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, you need to you need to do this. And he's like, well, you know how to drive the tractor, which is the tractor. Well, okay, I'm going to back up just a second here. The tractor, <laughs> first time he put me on the tractor, probably 10 years old, mm-hmm. which was also, of course, a manual. It was a yeah. clutch and a, and a shifter. Yeah, those um, old Ford tractors, I assume? Uh, 48 Case SC. Yeah, um, close enough. <laughs> I popped the clutch, uh, didn't really know what I was doing. It took off. I ended up running it right up a tree. <laughs> Um, almost flipped it over back on myself. My dad ran over, awesome. killed the ignition on it, and we got it backed off the tree. We we're fine. Your story is way more fun than mine. Well, then <laughs> the the dump truck. So he's like, "All right, you need to drive." And I says, "Well, how do I do this?" And he goes, "You're smart. Figure it out." Okay. <laughs> so um, I probably spent two hours going up and down the driveway at the farm, stalling that thing out, jerking it back and forth, just. And that's how I learned how to drive manual because my dad forced me to learn how to drive manual when I was about 12 years old hmm. on a dump truck. I had a little bit more of a guide. It was a little bit of yelling. <laughs> more gas! More gas! <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll try again. <laughs> that's great, man. No, I'll, my brother, my sister, and myself all learned how to drive on that thing out in the backfield. So that's there, there's a lot of family history to it. That's why I keep it and you know keep plugging away at that thing. Well, I, and I totally get that. Um, and today I've got a little bit of manuals on the mind, and specifically um, heavy-duty... Like service manuals, repair manuals? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, manuals that, that work down at the um, uh, the Del Taco. Oh, oh, Manuel. Oh, that's Manuel. All right, yeah, wrong guy. Um, yeah, no, uh, I, <laughs> you didn't like that, huh? <laughs> it took me a second. I'm uh, not it took lie. me a second. Um, but anyways, um, I started thinking today, and I guess I've thought about this before, but I was thinking today about how many options there are out there mm-hmm. for a heavy-duty five-speed manual. Um, mean or, or over even, and above the, the BA-10, the Peugeot? Yeah, yeah, even <laughs> above that. And what I personally would identify as being a heavy-duty manual for the, the wheeling crowd, and hmm. I realize there's not a lot of options. So no. what do you think about talking about those today? I'm all right with it. I'll see how much I can keep up with it. All right, let's do that. Sounds good. It's time to hit the trail, lock in those hubs, and throw it into low range. Because you are listening to Wheel It with Keith and Johnny Orange. 
Broadcasting from the Thin Line Off-Road Studio, they're here to talk about 4x4s, trucks, and everything to do with enjoying the great outdoors. Buckle up. Here's your hosts, Keith and Johnny Orange. All right, John. So um, I know that I gave you a little bit of homework here, and I gave you a couple of transmissions to research. Hmm. The... You know, in my mind, I identify a heavy-duty four-wheel drive transmission uh, in the manual aspect. We're not talking about automatics mm-hmm. today. We will talk about automatics on another episode. I know you're not a big fan of those. I might be gone that day. <laughs> you're just going to be off. You're going to be sick. Uh, uh, sick to it. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of different manual transmissions, and a lot of them yes. are pretty heavy-duty mm-hmm. for four-wheel drive applications. What I want to talk about is swappability today. Mm. Transmissions that you can put into a different vehicle uh, reasonably into, say, a Jeep or a Land Cruiser or mm-hmm. um, you know a big truck or whatever you're going to... That brings gonna, the list down considerably. It does. And <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. No, exactly, exactly. My thinking behind what makes something a heavy-duty swappable transmission, manual transmission, mm-hmm. I have a couple of criteria. Um, do you, should I make you guess what the criteria are? Hmm. I, I mean, we could try. <laughs> All right, John. Let's say, okay, well, let's do this. It'll be okay. a little fun. Um, if you had to think of a transmission, and I'm not saying the transmission, but if you had to mm-hmm. think of, like, what makes a transmission infinitely, hmm. uh, you know, heavy-duty mm-hmm. and swappable for a hmm. four-wheel drive application. Well, swappable obviously would be the ability to adapt it to something it's not, you know, didn't come with from the factory. Okay, and you're you're on the right track there. So um, the easiest way to do that is through a detachable bell housing. Yes, yes. There's a very limited number of transmissions, manual transmissions, mm-hmm. that have been made with a detachable bell housing. Um, so things like the ZF6 that were in my old Super Duty truck, that had mm-hmm. an integral bell housing, which means the bell housing was part of the transmission. You really? couldn't remove it. See, I'm not terribly familiar with those, to be, except in an automatic application, to be perfectly honest with you, because most of the transmissions I've ever dealt with have been manuals with swappable housings. Most of the lighter transmissions and, and really the early transmissions all had detachable bell housings. Heavy Makes duty sense. five speeds and things and four speeds that had a detachable bell housing um, really started to come out in the 90s. Okay. So, and then as you know, the manual transmission pretty much died off by the end of the 2010s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you're, you had this narrow window. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you had four speeds and three speeds and, and real heavy-duty transmissions going way back. But mm-hmm. for the modern Jeeper, the modern... Oh, there you go, modern Jeeper. That's another <laughs> podcast I listen to sometime. Mm-hmm. For the modern Jeep guy or the modern 4x4 guy, with fuel prices being what they are, as you would know, overdrive is a big, big oh, thing yes. to have. Absolutely. So today, I kind of want to talk about the options for a heavy-duty overdrive manual transmission. And then on top of that, what do you know what else you'd want to have in that? As far as other options or like shift shift options, you meaning? Or well, yeah, like what for? Okay, so your first gear. I know you're a big fan of the AX15, and that's yes. not really a heavy-duty transmission. It's a very respectable transmission. I believe they call it a medium-duty. It's a technical classification. It really is. Yeah. AX15 has like a 4-to-1 first-gear ratio. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of your heavy-duty stuff and your big truck stuff, your one-ton, three-quarter-ton, and bigger, has a much deeper gear ratio. Okay. Um, so you have what's called typically a creeper gear. So it's a gear that you would only use for off-road or you would use it um, you know, for pulling something really heavy. Mm-hmm. And so a transmission, if you put it quick, all... Oh, quick question, point of the creeper gear. Is that something that's going to be like a quote-unquote below first gear or that's still your first gear? Well, see, it depends on the manufacturer. Some okay. of them called it first gear. Some of them called it, um, well, actually, I think they all pretty much called it first gear. Okay. But then if you look at the shifter knob on those different vehicles, mm-hmm. some of them uh, would, actually, there are a few that just had an L for low. Okay. And then it went one, two, three, four, five, or one, two, three, four, or one, two, three. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the transmission. <clears throat> mm-hmm. The reality of it is most of those transmissions in daily driving, you're going to start off in what would be second gear. That That's where my next question was, is that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I so the, the creeper gear <laughs> is really not a street gear. Yeah. But okay. off-road, like you're going over some rocks or something mm-hmm. like that. Some low speed, high torque you need. You yeah. Use that. It gives you a better crawl ratio. You got this nice deep I've always wondered ratio. that. That's one of those things that's always said at the back of my mind and wonder. <laughs> well, um, you know, so if you if you start to narrow it down and you say, okay, what transmissions have been made since day one with a creeper gear? So a creeper gear is usually defined as something that is sub five to one. So okay. it's gonna have something that's more than five to one gear ratio. Mm-hmm. And so numerically higher, thus resulting in a lower gearing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of the Creeper gears are around that 5.6 range. Mm-hmm. Things like the old SM424 speed was in the 7.2 <laughs> range. It's like mm-hmm. one of the lowest ones they had. Um, so now you have this this that's, creeper gear. Oh, that's a, that's a big number. It is. It's, it's very, very <laughs> deep. That's the nap coat the museum has. Wow. Um, but if you, if you look at a transmission that has a creeper gear and an overdrive, mm-hmm. Your options narrow way down to just a couple transmissions that have ever been offered. I believe it. And so that's what we're going to kind of focus on today and which one might be best for your project. Makes sense. I'll just start off with, we're going to probably talk a lot. Oh, I think we had a technical. I just hit something there. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's just go with that. Um, We'll start off with, Probably the one that everybody knows about and has heard about that's in the four-wheel drive industry is the NV4500. Now, it's made but You know who NV is, right? Yeah, New Venture. New Venture, yeah. Yep. Um, New Venture made this 4500 series transmission, mm-hmm. and they had some iterations of it, and we're going to, or variations of it. We're going to talk about some of those. Toyota had what they called the H55 five-speed, mm-hmm. which was specific to the Land Cruiser line of trucks. It was never in the Tundra. It was never in the Tacoma, anything like that. Yeah. The H55 was another creeper gear slash overdrive five-speed manual transmission mm-hmm. with a detachable bell housing. And then there's even another option, and I want to wait a little bit to talk about the other option. Okay. So really, if you think about factory options there's only two out there Mm -hmm. the mv4500 and the toyota h55 okay i've heard of both i i couldn't find a lot of information on the h55 personally Mm -hmm. but the the mv4500 i had found quite a bit of information on that as far as vehicle applications different options like 
I didn't know it had a PTO output. It does. And it's got two. That's another thing that kind of makes a heavier-duty transmission is, yeah. is a lot of them have that PTO option. That's awesome. I don't know what I'd ever use it for, but it's cool to know <laughs> PTO it's there. winch or something like that. Um, like the that. other thing about the uh, heavier-duty transmissions and the ones with the detachable bell housing that we're talking about specifically here is that I, I just kind of lost my train of thought on that, but... Um, like I was saying, you had the PTO. Yeah, I started thinking about PTOs and all the cool stuff you could I'm do sorry. with them. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I actually just saw on it might have been on four by four talk or somebody else online. I just saw a awesome. Um, I was just thinking of it. You know, it's sometimes when you mention things like that, it just pops into your head. There was yep. this guy that had this PTO winch that he was trying to get people to identify. It might mm-hmm. have been on a different Facebook page. Um, like I said, it might have been four by four talk somewhere else, but he had this really oddball thing, and um, people were saying maybe it's an aviation thing or something, and they, they couldn't figure it out. But mm-hmm. any okay, <laughs> sorry about that, buddy. Uh, uh we, <laughs> oh, we got away from it. Um, going back to the transmissions, there is a third one that I would not consider to be a swappable transmission, and that is the Getrag 5-speed that was found behind mm-hmm. the Cummins Dodge okay. in the 80s and, well, 80s, I think up till like maybe 91 was the last year mm-hmm. of it. That was a heavy-duty 5-speed um, that did have a detachable bell housing, and physically mm-hmm. it looks a lot like the MV4500, mm-hmm. but it was... For lack of better purpose, better words, it was a garbage transmission. Oh, bummer. Uh, bearings would fail prematurely. Gears gotcha. would strip out. I know where I was going when I got distracted earlier there, too. <laughs> we are specifically talking about transmissions that come from the factory with a flange on the back of them for a transfer okay. case. Four-wheel drive. Four-wheel drive. Yep. There are a couple of options out there. They're not great options. But there are a couple options out there for a creeper gear overdrive transmission that was never offered with a four-wheel drive flange in the back of it. Interesting. One of them would be the Spicer 5-speed found in the deuce and a half military trucks. Okay, I've seen the trucks. There's no much about the drive train. To the best of my knowledge, there's no way to make a married transfer case to them. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to run a Spicer 5-speed, there are ways to adapt it to, say, a Chevy V8 or to Mm -hmm. a Cummins engine or something like that. You have to run the divorce transfer case. Exactly. You have to run a divorce transfer case. For those who don't know what that is, is a separately mounted transfer case from the transmission. It actually has a small drive shaft going between the two. Exactly. Exactly. So um, today, I want to talk about these ones that would be more like something you'd put into a Jeep. You you don't have a lot of room to put a divorce transfer case and say a Wrangler or something like that. (laughs) Although it's always amazed me that Suzuki Samurais have a divorce transfer case. They're so short. Yeah, the little tiny thing. Pretty cool. Uh, So back to it. Uh, so, So really what we want to talk about here is a infinitely swappable five-speed manual, and the reason I say five-speed is there are no detachable bell housing six-speeds that there are easy to to put parts together to make this work. So you're only looking at five-speeds, and there are a few overdrive four-speeds that GM made in the early 80s, but they didn't Mm -hmm. have a creeper gear, and they're not very heavy-duty, so they're not a great option for trying to put something in, say, a Jeep or a Scout or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So... We're going to talk today a little bit about the H55, a little bit about the NV4500, and there's one other option that we need to talk about that wasn't a factory option, but it's a great option. Mm -hmm. We've got a guy, as you know, 
that is boots on the ground uh, out at Overland Expo. He's one of our sponsors, Chad from Quick Draw mm-hmm. Brand. He knows a lot about these various transmission options and what you can do with them. Awesome. I want to get him on the horn because let's try to call him here in a minute and see if we can get him to tell us a little bit about something. And he can join the conversation because, as you know, he's really knowledgeable. Oh, it's probably absolutely. more so than me. Yeah, he's. I, I got a couple questions for him kind of cooked up. We'll see if I can maybe remember him. Perfect. <laughs> let's take a quick break. And when we Sounds come back, good. hopefully we have Chad on the line. Sounds good. See you in a bit. <laughs> Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those two. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. Welcome back to Wheeling with Keith and Johnny Orange. We do have a special guest interviewee today. Uh, Mr. Chad McKinney of Quick Draw Brand is on the line with us. How's it going today, Chad? Hey, guys. Hey, hey. doing pretty good. Hey, thanks for uh, getting back with us. We did talk on the last episode uh, about how you were going to be down at Overland Expo East. And I think before we get into our technical stuff about transmissions today, um, can you give us kind of a rundown of Overland Expo East, uh, what you saw, what you thought was good? Because, you know, unfortunately, as you know, my dad passed away and we couldn't get down there with you. And you said you'd kind of take a look and see what's going on and uh, let us know about it. Yeah, you know, it was a really cool show. It was a lot of laid-back folks who were just walking around looking for interesting things to buy or uh, at least contemplate putting together. Uh, it's it's definitely 100% different than SEMA on the stress side of it for preparation. Um, so it's pretty pretty uh, pretty interesting event. What, uh, I th- when I talked to you earlier, you're saying it was mostly like the camping and the overlanding, which I, I kind of knew. Of course, it's Overland Expo, um, so it's the off-road adventure type people and not necessarily the jacked-up mud trucks and things like that. Um, what was the coolest thing you saw down there? So there was a cool little International Scout slash Nissan Titan hybrid vehicle. I, hmm. I don't know how you'd even describe this thing, but a company called uh, Steel Farm Customs, and I can't tell you where they're out of, but I want to say Pittsburgh, but don't hold me to that. They put together a brand-new Nissan Titan with the 5-liter Cummins V8 in it, and they body-paneled everything to look like an international scout. Hmm. It was the most wicked vehicle I've ever seen anywhere. It was completely out of place at the show, but it was perfect for the show if you wanted to see something cool. I'm going to have to find some pictures of that. That, that, That's awesome. Um, what else at the show, uh, you know, vendors, things like that was, there, you know, obviously you were at the show with your products and I'd like to talk to you about your products in a little bit here, but was there anything else that you just like blew you away or you're like, man, I, I can't believe someone thought of this. This is really cool. So we went down there, uh, kind of doing a joint event with silver sport transmission and there, the, the Trimic dealers we've been working with on some of the product lines. Um, you know, they, they set up right next to us. So that's always neat to see what they bring down. Um, directly across from us was a, a company that puts together flexible solar panels for your hmm. off-roading uh, adventure-type deal. 
And uh, what was kind of interesting about his outfit is he actually is best friends with a kid I went to school with in high school. So it's just a small <laughs> world to run into somebody like that. Nice. So, no kidding. Uh, he so, has a neat booth. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I kind of cut you off there. Um, uh, what, what else were you going to say there, Chad? They just going to say he just had a neat booth for that. And then there's a bunch of other vendors there peddling a bunch of different products, you know, from battery-powered scooters. Um, a lot of different tent options for both on top of your SUV or to be put behind on the trailer. Hmm. A lot of neat things. And how many days was the, was the event? Three, four days, something like that? Yeah, that was a three-day event. Yep. Okay, very cool. Now, was that... Um, I've only seen pictures from Overland Expo before, and it seems like it's it's something that's like held out in a field or something, or like what was what was the venue for it? This must have been the fairgrounds slash racetrack grounds. I, there was a massive racetrack out front uh, for horse racing, uh, and then we were just like you're describing, just basically out in the middle of nowhere, Fieldsville. Um, you know, getting to the place wasn't hard, but there's nothing around you. Um, about 40 miles north of Lynchburg, uh, Virginia. Uh, and in fact, you know, to, to comment on your question about what else was cool there, not to toot my own horn, but the, uh, the Defender 110 we had in our booth had a Cummins 2.8 in that, and the fellow that built that thing did it in 10 days. His name's hmm. Doug Crawford, and nice. uh, he's out of Lynchburg. So he, if you're if you're looking to do Rover stuff, he's the man to talk to. He, he bangs them out real quick. Yeah, I actually saw that thing, um, the white one you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yep. All yeah. He's, he's an interesting character. He he imports those in from overseas um, with with the emission laws and all that, and um, puts them together. Nice. That was super cool. I I saw some pictures, and I I think I saw it on your social media, but then I saw it on some other people as well that that had posted up pictures of it. Oh yeah. Um, now is that adapted with? A, it was the one there. Was that adapted with a quick draw? Um, Bell housing to the stock five-speed uh, Defender transmission? Yep. He had reached out to me uh, November or December of last year, uh, having found my parts at the Cummins booth last year at Overland Expo, and said, hey, can you can you made a Cummins 2.8 to a, um, a Land Rover uh, transmission? And I said, well, I can do that, but what's a Land Rover? You know, because we don't have those <laughs> in Cincinnati. They just all rusted away. Yeah. Um, so about two months later, I sent him a finished product, and we've been selling the snot of them. Nice. That was super cool, and I didn't even know. Um, I'd seen in one of the pictures. I don't know if it was one of your pictures or somebody else's, but uh, they it looks like they have a removable floor hump, almost like a, a van, so you can see the trans or accept or at least access the trans and bell housing and everything in them. I'm not even going to pretend to be an expert. Basically, what I'm telling you is what all the guys there over the weekend who knew about those things told me. But apparently, overseas, those are used as a tractor. Like, that's their main functionality. So they're designed to have parts replaced when you beat them up doing your daily work. So all the pieces apparently come apart with rivets or bolts, and you can just put new panels on as necessary. That's super cool. That's super cool. (laughs) Well, um, is there anything else? This is kind of our 4x4 talk uh, news section that we do. Um, is there anything else about Overland Expo that you want to touch on? Um, you know, anything cool you saw or anything, uh, shout outs you want to do to anybody that was really cool to you out there or anything like that, Chad? You know, besides Doug and, um, and going and seeing the, the steel farm, uh, 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 scout, I didn't get a lot of time to go walk around. We pretty much had folks cycling through the booth the whole time, just interested in either seeing that old Detroit we had hanging on the back or that, that Rover for sure, that 110. Uh, Defender was a huge draw. 
Well, I know how that goes because, you know, as you know, I went out with you to SEMA last October, so about a year ago now, and um, that was a blast. But, I mean, we were just, you and I there next to each other in the booth. It was just constant people in and out, so we didn't even get to see all of SEMA. So um, I can right. just imagine, and this is like, I don't I don't want to really compare it to SEMA because it's a different class of, of, you know, event altogether, but I can see how it'd be tough to break away to go see other things. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of time to get away from it. But there were a lot of things just within view that you could tell people were really interested in. A fellow behind us was from Ohio. Uh, I should have gotten the names just so I could give him a call out because he's a real cool guy, a rover guy. He's been to the Overland Show numerous times, and he was selling these really neat pocket knives that he was uh, producing. So there's just a lot of interesting things there. That, that's uh, that's really cool. I, I want to get out there next year maybe. Um well, then, I guess back to our, our five-speed overdrive manual transmission options. Um, I was talking to John before we got you on the horn, and I was I was explaining to him that uh, I view a swappable transmission for other options, say putting into a Jeep or a Scout or, or Land Rover or whatever, as being a transmission that has not only a detachable bell housing, but it also has the ability to bolt a transfer case to the back of it. Um, and we're talking specifically today about heavy-duty transmissions, ones that have a creeper, first gear, and overdrive, which unless you can tell me that I'm missing something here, um, I only know of two factory options out there, and that is the NV4500 and the Toyota H55 five-speed. So other bells that I produce... Um that are what I would consider one worth using for an install. You've got the AX-15 from the Jeep crowd. Um, <laughs> John's over there <laughs> like going, yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, in its counterpart, you've got the R-151 for the Toyota side of it, you know, found in like Tacomas or what would that be, like a, a Forerunner, I guess maybe they ran those. Yeah, those are those are really more like medium-duty transmissions because they don't have a creeper gear in it's them. essentially the same thing as the AX-15, just a slightly different yeah those, yep. those, those are more of like a medium duty transmission <clears throat> yeah. so like this episode we were talking specifically about the stuff that's like more like a cast iron case and i had already mentioned to john and maybe you can extrapolate on this a little bit more um the only other transmission that i could think of from a factory application um that has a detachable bell housing that mates to a transfer case is the uh Getrag five speed that was found in the late 80s dodge trucks and it, from my experience is those are pretty much garbage transmissions and not really worthy of, of trying to adapt to anything. Yeah, there's not a lot out there that has a removable bill um, that you haven't mentioned already. Yeah, so um, just touching on, on those, uh, the Toyota H55, I guess starting with that, um, simply because there's not a lot of different options, Really, the only transfer case that you can easily mount to the back of that um, is the factory application Toyota transfer case, which both the outputs are mounted to the passenger side of the transfer case. So um, if you were going to swap an H55 into anything besides a Toyota, really the only great application for that would maybe be an old Willys Jeep or a Dodge Power Wagon, something with offset rear axle and offset front axle. Um, so, and then you can put a 203 Chevy transfer case behind it with some commonly available adapters, but, um, or at least the range box, if you're going to do a doubler, but I wouldn't really call the H55 a, a big swappable transmission. Really the, the golden boy out there is the MV4500. Yeah. I mean, you really can't argue with that. It's kind of a proven transmission. What's it been out, uh, what, 
almost 20 plus years. Well, yeah, the MV4500 came out in 1991 um, or 1992, so it would be 1992 model year. But um, it was a, the first iteration was a 6.32 first gear. And, and then, of course, had your overdrive, which was around 0.85, something like that. Um, I might be wrong on the numbers there, but that was really the first time that we got a uh, fairly compact five-speed manual with a creeper gear and overdrive. Now, what, what a lot of people don't know is from 92 to 95, or at least early 95, the MV4500 was only available in the um, the Chevy trucks, and it had a specific bell housing bolt pattern that was very similar to the old GM four-speed, but a little bit different. And um, really, until recently, the only way you could adapt one of those early version super low creeper gear MV4500s was by using a Chevy bell housing in front of it and then putting it, of course, behind a, a GM or Chevy engine, such as a, a small block or an LS or a big block. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, I thought I saw just recently that you're now offering bell housing options for the early version NV4500. Well, that's true. Yeah, I went and made a new bell housing for that uh, that actually bolts up to the back end of a Dodge adapter plate, flywheel housing. You know, So if you had a 94 Cummins out of a, or I'm sorry, a 94 Dodge Cummins that has the uh, factory adapter plate and flywheel, my bell housing just bolts right to that thing. Um, so it's essentially like having a Dodge NV4500 bell, but you're, you're early Chevy that way with a different bolt and different offset. Weren't you, uh, or, or are you planning on adapting that transmission to other engines such as, say, maybe the Hemi or the, uh, you know, the Ford V8s, anything like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's already out there. Um, you know, we've got the Coyote adapter kit. Uh, LS small block, um, the the small block Mopar slash Hemi. The, you know, I think they call that a Gen Three Hemi. No, you're, uh, you're working on an. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, see, you already have these, or are these coming soon? These are sitting on the shelf. What what I've about to uh, release, I've got one for the Ford FE engine, which I didn't know existed, but that's become a really popular request. Um, so that that's going to come out here as well as just a, a Ford small block app. And then um, we already have that uh, 3.6 Jeep adapter set up so you can actually bolt, you know, an NV or a Tremec straight into the, uh, the, the tunnel there. Hmm. But you're saying the er – so I'm speaking right now just the early version MV4500, the head that super low creeper gear, um, you've got several options available now that were not available even just a year ago to the public um to because a lot of guys love the idea of that 6.32 first gear ratio um which in 1995 they got rid of and they went to like a 5.6 first gear ratio um so you've now made options so the guys that want that extra low creeper gear in their jeep or in their rock crawling rig or their their scout or whatever um that they can swap it behind more than just a chevy engine now oh yeah for sure yeah you know it's uh, it's becoming quite a challenge to get any of it listed on the internet at this point. We're just so stinking busy. So uh, 
I guess it's time to plug Quick Draw Brand is hiring. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> well, John, there you go, man. We just send you down there. Definitely need some help. <laughs> well, man, I, I, when you do, when you introduced that uh, that early GM NV forty five hundred Bell series that you have now for various engines, I just thought that was genius because now people have you know, and I don't know why. I mean, mathematically, point five of a gear ratio going from say the point the 6.3 to, you know, to a 5.6 doesn't seem like a lot, but there are guys who are those numbers freaks and they're trying to get that crawl ratio on their rig really, really, really low. So, and also early GM NV 4500s typically from what I've seen, I don't know what you're seeing down in Ohio, Chad, but the early ones, because they were only usable behind a GM engine originally, um, you can pick those up for four or five, six hundred dollars used all day long. Where when you went to the 95 and newer version, that you could easily interchange between a Cummins or a GM or a Dodge engine, uh, those kind of demand a premium. They're up in that 900 to a thousand dollar range used. Is that what you're seeing down there? Or? It's definitely dependent on location because down here you can pick up a two wheel drive early GM style for around two to three hundred bucks, but the Four-wheel drives, they still demand around $1,200. John's um, eyes just got so big. <laughs> yeah, at that price, yeah, that's, yeah, that beats out the AX-15s that I can do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense because prior to putting these adapters out there, I don't know what the guys were even needing those for, but um, that that's pretty much the going rate when you get on the old internet looking for something. Well, you know, even just doing that, there's a number of guys in the – I'm on a couple of Facebook pages like the Killer COEs and One Tons and a few other uh, groups where people are building uh, 50s hot rod full-size trucks, and they're doing things like Cummins 12 valves and 4BTs and things like that. Hmm. Um, doing a two-wheel drive version early MV4500 uh, makes a lot of sense uh, if they want a manual transmission. So, and, and now with your adapters, it makes it a reasonable option, you know, something that they can do pretty cheaply. So, um, the continuing on with the MV4500, uh, in 95, as you know and I know, they they went to what you would almost consider a modular pattern because the, both the GM trucks and the Dodge trucks used the same bell housing two transmission bolt pattern, and the only difference was the input of the transmission. So if you had like a, ga- a gas V8 Dodge or a Cummins or a V10 or a GM, um, all you had to do is pop out the input, and the inputs are still available brand new for like a couple hundred bucks, um, and you don't need any special tools to do that. You can pop out the input of the trans, and you can change it over um, to whatever you need. It's a very modular transmission. Love that. Um, but um, Yeah, I mean, there's no arguing with that. It, it, it makes it much more compatible with any number of builds. You, you just swap the input, swap the bearing retainer and the bill, and off to the races. Huh. Cool. Now, Chad, what kind of what kind of products? I mean, I, I you know, obviously, you when you and I talked originally, you were like, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to come on and talk about Overland Expo," and I'm not trying to to plug a lot of stuff here, but I, I like letting you plug stuff because I mean, you've been a big supporter of ours. Um, what just so our listeners know, if they want to um, adapt like a '95 and newer NV4500, what kind of products do you have available for them to do that? Uh, well, really, it's it's the same conversation we just had. Uh, you know, if you're looking to put a NV behind a, a Hemi or or a Coyote motor, you know, if you want to take the Coyote out of a 
Ford F-150 or a Mustang and just make some crazy old first-gen Bronco roar, hmm. you know, I, I've, I've got the adapter set up for that. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, on the output side of the transmission, and I know you're not into transfer case adapters yet, knock on wood. I'm hoping you are in the future because, uh, <laughs> you know, I know Johnny Orange over here would probably be uh, looking at some more of your products. But, yeah, I think um, I asked a question about that a while back, if I remember right. Some of the transfer <laughs> case. So basically the MV4500 did come through all those models in four-wheel drive. Uh, with either a 23 spline output or a 32 or a 29 spline, they came in very different variations, so they're very adaptable. You just need to make sure that you get the right transmission for your application. Um, but um, of course, you know the MV4500 itself, it, you know, being a great, great transmission, is getting long and tooth. They haven't made them since about 2005, and I've heard that there are some options available out there. I know we've talked a little bit in the past. Um, I, I think you have some other options, don't you, for a for an overdrive five speed that somebody can use that maybe wasn't a factory option? Yep. Yeah. Working with a company down in Knoxville, uh, Silver Sport Transmissions. Uh, there's a TR4050, and it's essentially just the the new age brother of the NV4500, but with some benefits. It, it doesn't weigh as much. Uh, it's got that 6.16 first gear that you guys are all excited about for the off-roading <laughs> side of it. Uh, it's it's an inch shorter than the Dodge version, so it works perfect in the short wheelbase Broncos, Scouts, Jeeps, things of that nature. Um, and, you know, for the guys that are really just sticklers, it just takes generic gear oil, so you're not buying that high-dollar garbage from Ooh, Chrysler. I like that. that. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go anywhere to There's refill a number if you of need it. To it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to talk a little bit more about those, but uh, producer Andrew down there is telling us it's time for a break. So let's take a quick break. Do you have a, Do you have just a few more minutes to talk to us, Chad? Yeah, bring it on. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll talk to you after the break. Hey, it sounds like it's time to swap out that old engine for something better, John. Yeah, man, but I have so much into my trans and transfer case set up already. I don't want to change those, too. Sounds like you need to call Quick Draw Brand Adapters. They specialize in conversion bell housings for nearly all diesel and gasoline engines, including the new 2.8R Cummins. You know, I like weird engines, though. I want something different. Then you definitely need to visit quickdrawbrand.com today. They have those hard-to-find parts. They also have used diesel engines available. You can call them at 513-446-9654. Cool, I'll do that. See what they have. Thanks. And we're back from break here. Uh, we were talking to Mr. Chad McKinney of Quick Draw Brand. Uh, Chad, before uh, we went to break, we were talking a lot about the MV4500s, and uh, we did mention briefly about the Toyota H55 um, and how that's really only a passenger drop application. Uh, it's a real compact application, so it would be good for like an old flat fender Jeep or something. Um, but you offer uh, quite a bit of bell housing options to adapt various engines to that besides the Toyota engine, do you not? Um, I Run through real quick. What do you offer for the H55? The main focus on that has been that 2.8 Cummins, that crate motor they're offering, uh, and then a number of different industrial diesel applications. So anything you're finding with an SAE 3 pattern, uh, whether it be an old Detroit or, again, a Cummins or a Cat, anything of that nature. Maybe a Perkins uh, or something. And, yeah, Perkins, yeah. Just anything with a number 3 housing. Um, you know, so that that's an easy option for the diesel guys. Um, beyond that... 
pretty much anything can be made, but there hasn't been a large request from anybody. Uh, one thing I picked up in that Overland show where a lot of guys were asking to make a, uh, uh, a bell housing to go from the LS engine, which is a huge swap for everybody. Kind of boring in my mind, but that's just because it's been done so much. I'll, I'll uh, but second they, that. I completely LS agree. That. What's that, Johnny? I completely agree with that. I, uh, there's a lot of awesome properties to the LS swaps, but I personally think they're just way overdone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something unique, that's not the no. that's not the <laughs> engine to chase. No. But, but uh, you were you going to say they, something they were, about they were asking. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's okay. They they were they were asking to actually make a, an LS straight to a Land Rover R380 transmission, so that you wouldn't have to stack all the adapters in that. And that was something I had not even considered because I thought that market had already been flooded. Um, so you know that that's something that I'll probably have out in about two weeks here because I can take an existing casting and make that work. Huh. Um, you know, so that'll be just another lower-ish price point solution for the guys that don't want to have the possibility of drive shaft or input shafts out of alignment from adapter kits. Nice. Well, that that's actually pretty big news uh, because you know, a, as you and I and and John know, the Land Rover overseas got a lot of great diesel options and things like that. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S., the Land Rover got a bunch of anemic. Uh, really lemon and garbage gasoline engines. So if somebody's got a cool old Land Rover and they want to swap in, a, you know, something reliable like it, you know, and they don't they're not really w- worried about being unique, so they just want to put like a 5.3 or a 6 liter LS engine in, you're you have the option to just bolt the sucker together, huh? Well, and that that's what I took from the show. There are an enormous amount of Rover followers or uh what would you call that? Just just club members or, or guys that really like those trucks, uh, and they basically all made it clear that they're not looking to do a swap of everything. They want to keep as much rover part as they can. So if they can just put a reliable engine in it and keep everything else, that's what they're chasing. So when you see the other companies doing tranny swaps and axle swaps, uh, apparently that's frowned upon in the, the rover world. I didn't even know. I'm not in the rover world. I, I've never owned one. I've only worked on one like once, so... Um, but I do like them. I think they're pretty cool. The aluminum bodies, you know, don't tend to rust. The frames rot, but, um, <laughs> you know, so pretty cool stuff. So, but, you know, the so like we were saying, the H55, that's a, you know, it, it's a decent option for somebody. Um, speaking of those just briefly, and so we can finish up on the H55, uh, John and I actually talked on our after show, which can only be found through Patreon followers. Um, it's called The End of the Trail, and you have to pay like at least two bucks a month to uh, subscribe to it. But we did mention last time that we did The End of the Trail. Um, and I guess this is the main show, so we need to mention it as well. Mm. Uh, you just found out recently that uh, your 2.8 Cummins to H55 adapter will apparently fit like butter into a 40 series Land Cruiser. From you had a customer that put one together, and I saw the pictures; they were just awesome looking pictures. Um, looks like that whole thing just slid right together, and he was able to use a lot of stock components after that, huh? Yeah, it was a pretty gravy swap from how he described it. I sent a, uh, a Cummins motor. You know, I, I wholesaled the crate motor as well as the adapter down to him. And uh, he said with a one-inch body lift, he was able to pretty much just put that thing right in there where he wanted it. That's avoided awesome. all the uh, front axle issues for clearance on the oil pan. And shifter came out in the right spot. It was just a very clean swap. He didn't have to do anything to the firewall. It just worked easily. 
That's awesome. That's a Johnny that Orange swap awesome. if I've ever heard. Yeah, he loves buddy. it when stuff goes together like that. So oh, yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, that's pretty big news. Um, you know, man, I love what you're, you know, Chad, I know this is going to sound cheesy. I know you're one of our sponsors, but I genuinely love what you're doing for our industry because oh, for, for, sure. s- for so long, so many of these awesome transmissions, like the early version MV4500 with the 6.32 gear, and so many of these awesome engine options, like some of these older Perkins or Detroits or whatever, just had no support whatsoever and you're just like opening up this whole market uh oh, i love it for guys it's just it's just super cool super, absolutely you know we, sure. we love to be we love being associated with you for sure um yeah but um you know going on from that um you know and we mentioned the the tr4050 um and some other options but uh i know uh like Johnny Orange and I, you know, yeah, we're four by four guys. We we talk all the time about Jeeps and Land Rovers and Land Cruisers and big mud trucks and Dodges and stuff like that and and you know and you know stuff up on on boggers and you know just just big trucks. But we're we're actually car guys too. And you know, I've got a '55 Chevy Bel Air, and John keeps talking about a muscle car project. And um, you know, I know he's got a couple of crazy ideas for things he wants to do. <laughs> Um, you know, are, are you, you know, you know, John, do you got any questions about the muscle car crowd? You know, does Chad supporting this, this crowd or anything like that? Well, I'll, I'll ask that question. I mean, what, what kind of options, at least at present, do you have for something like that? I mean, I know a lot of the transmission options are limited for stuff back then as far as like a, a five speed or a quote unquote more modern transmission, something a little beefier and stronger to put behind a built engine. Know, what what kind of things do you have for that? So I just released some teaser pictures today. Uh, Trimic has a six-speed uh, heavy-duty transmission they call the Magnum or the T56. Ooh. And uh, I've got a couple different bell housings for that coming out that are the high-quality, lower-cost option for guys that are not wanting to necessarily go to the drag strip. They just simply mm-hmm. want to build a wheat Chevelle and get the overdrive functionality out yeah. of it. Uh, I like it. So I, I can put that together for the, the old uh, small block GM style, uh, as well as the BOP style, the Mopar small block uh, Hemi option. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to look at the uh, the O3 Cobra version of that for the Ford guys. A uh, number of different possibilities, again, and it's you know mainly just making a good product without the price tag. Yeah. Now, are these available now, or is something you're doing in the future? So Friday of this week, I released the Mopar small block T56 bells, and then two weeks from now, we'll have the GM small block bell. Cool. Uh, and then maybe within three weeks from there, we'll be looking at the, the, the Ford Cobra application. That's Very super, cool. super cool. So yeah. two things I can think of in mind, like, so my little brother has a Dodge Dart, and he had thought um, several times about doing the early Hemi, and or not the early Hemi, the uh, the new Hemi, the 5.7 um, you know, like out of a Durango or something, he's thought about doing a Hemi swap into it, but he, he already said that if we ever did that, it would have to get a manual transmission, but he would want some sort of overdrive. So you already have options to go to a T56 behind a, a Hemi is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you take awesome. a new gen Hemi, I think they call that a gen three, uh, you know, it just bolts up and goes. Oh man. Super cool. And then another thing I'm thinking about, um, I've got a buddy I've known, I've actually known him for like 25 years. Um, he has a kick-ass, 
70s, uh, early 70s Oldsmobile Cutlass with a 455 big block. And I know that's got the BOP pattern. He's got a three-speed automatic behind it. And a couple of times he's mentioned to me that he would love to put a manual behind it. But right now, the only options out there would be to adapt it to, say, a four-speed, which is not overdrive. And he doesn't want to pay six, you know, $6 a gallon or whatever, or not $6 <laughs> a gallon, six miles per gallon. He doesn't want to pay for that. He told me that the only re- the only way he'd ever go manual on that thing is if he could ever go to a five-speed or a six-speed. You Were you saying that you're going to do the BOP pattern? Like there's a way for him to put a T56 behind his 455 Oldsmobile? Oh, yeah, done deal. Yeah, I mean, Ooh. just hop on the website in two weeks, hit buy it now, and I send it out to you. Love it. Dude, man, I mean. <laughs> Love it. Why, why, Chad? Okay, let, let me just, can I ask you a, a really, like, legitimate, like, almost personal question right now? Lay it on me, big daddy. What, <laughs> why, why now, why you, like, I mean, I don't want you to talk crap about your competitors or anything here, but. Why was this not an option well, I, from I other? It's, it, it, it's not a. It's not a matter of any kind of issue with the competition. I'm just looking at it in the thought that I don't like spending money on things, and if I can make a better product for less money, that's all I'm really chasing. Well, but what? you know, there, there's differences in differences in the product line. You know, for for, for example, these uh, T56 bells. I'm not chasing the drag racing crowd at all. They're they're not going to be SFI certified. They're just a better option than. OEM, you know, so uh, Chevy made an 11 pound bell housing out of aluminum. My bell housing weighs 22 pounds, so it's hmm. stiffer. You're not going to break the ears off when you're driving it. Um, it it's just a better option, uh, you know, for the for the normal crowd just looking to build a cool car without the dollar tag attached to it. And, um, and you've opened <laughs> up the the BOP crowd because. For so long, people were making products that only bolted to the back of a Chevy engine, but not to the Buicolts, Pontiac, and Cadillac, because that's the same bolt pattern for the big, the old big ones. Um, no one was adapting anything to those. And I know a number of guys with non-Chevy GM muscle cars that have had no good overdrive options, and they've said for years, like, why is not... I'm not going to say names, but why is not, you know, XYZ Adapter Company, why are they not offering stuff for the BOP pattern? You're offering stuff for the BOP pattern now is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you Love know, it. It, without any hesitation, in two weeks you can just buy it from me and it, it shows up at your door. And they That's can put that awesome. T56. See, that doesn't make sense to me. That T56 has been out for 20 years and nobody else has done it. It, it finally took a guy like Chad here uh, to say, wait a minute. These guys need a this little bit of love too. Market. Untapped market. Yeah. These guys need a little bit of love too. So um, I love just how much it opens the options up for builders. Exactly. You know, you know me. I love options. If I can make it work one way or another with what I have or what I can get, I love it. <laughs> well, as you know, John, a lot of the early um, Buick and especially the Buick and Pontiac and some mm-hmm. of the Oldsmobile, but a lot of the Buick and Pontiac like big blocks. Those were torquier motors than the, even the big block Chevys back oh, then. Oh, yeah. They had a lot more low-end torque. They, even for being able to put in, say, a mud truck or something, mm-hmm. you know, guys couldn't swap them easily before because yeah. they didn't have a way of doing it. But now Mr. Chad here has just, you know, created a, a, a way for us to do this reasonably. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's super cool, Chad. Oh, absolutely. 
So, hey, man. Bring it to the market, man. Yeah, you know, I, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on to talk about manuals with us today. And, um, you know, thanks for filling us in on Overland Expo. Um, you know, John, is there anything else you wanted to ask Chad about? No, I think that's about it right now. So, I know we, we touched on... Uh, was a couple of weeks ago on the the one thing I'm looking at doing with uh, the commando project, but that's that's down the road. Yeah, I'm sure by the yeah. time you are ready, Chad is going to have something available for you, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. So, oh, me too. But um, <laughs> you know, every time we talk to you, Chad, it's a surprise. I, I you know, I just, I don't know how you have the energy. Do you? How many hours a day do you sleep? Like maybe one, two. <laughs> I can't even keep track of it right now. It's just kind of a whirlwind. <laughs> I understand. I mean, I, I don't have your energy, and I bless you for what you're doing. Um, you have been a, a, a true treasure to the off-road industry, and now apparently to the muscle car and, oh, yeah. you know, um, and man, I'm going to have to build another drag car or something, John. Uh, you know, Chad. When I got... get the budget, it's it's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, we're going to let you go, buddy, but uh, thank you so much for coming on again, and um, you know we're going to talk, talk to you again here in the future, but uh, keep doing what you're doing, and you know when we see your stuff on Instagram we'll, and stuff like that, we'll try to share it. Oh, for sure. Uh, for our, for our um, followers on Wheelin', you can find products at quickdrawbrand.com. Um, you can also follow Chad. What are, are you just quickdrawbrand on Instagram? Is that what it is? Yep, yep, that's it. Quick Draw Brand on Instagram. Um, he's also Quick Draw Brand on Facebook. Um, highly recommend giving his pages a like. He doesn't spam you. I mean, he's he posts maybe a couple things a day, if that. Um, and really cool products if you want to stay up on things. And the, the only thing is, the only time i would tell somebody not to follow quick draw brand is if you're the type of person that sees something new that you just and it's gonna it's gonna cost you a heck of a lot of money because all of a sudden an option came out and you're gonna you're gonna want to spend tons and tons of money to for your product you know he he's an enabler you know guys like john <laughs> over here every time he's, he's telling me do you see what chad came up with now and then john's going it's gonna cost me 10 grand in parts you know to put yeah. this together now so <laughs> but uh otherwise <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so uh, chad thank you for what yeah, you do thank you sir we will talk to you again soon yeah have a good one, buddy. Bye. All right, guys. Uh, so, you know, we just got Chad off the phone there, and um, it's always a pleasure talking to him. Absolutely. And he's been a friend of ours for years guy's now. He's so knowledgeable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> he is, and then it just amazed me what he comes up oh, with. Oh, yeah. Um, so, we, you know, we talked about these different options. He's got that tier 4050 options coming out through Silver Sport that Transmissions. That is a cool transmission. I've I, only been reading about him. I've never. I've only seen the one in person at his shop. But. I've never seen one. I've looked into it. I, I don't know if it'd quite be a great swap into the uh, into Pegasus. It's a little bit longer in the trans there. I'd run into some rear drive shaft issues. I think you might be okay though, but what also is nice that we didn't mention with Chad is the TR forty fifty is an aluminum case versus the Ooh. the cast iron case of the MV forty five hundreds and the H fifty five. So nice. a little lighter, yeah. I mean, it's something. If, if I had more of a budget, I know they're still a little newer and very expensive. I'm good with what I got right now, but in the future, especially yeah. the, I'll call it the uh, four door plan. I think I talked to you about the other day. That would be a very good option for that. 
Yeah, it so. would be. It would be. Um, you know, and, and I'd love to see some stuff. And we'll we'll just have to talk to Chad then. And oh yeah, who knows what he's gonna offer? He's gonna he's gonna have something at some if point. I, if I track down the parts to make that happen, I'm gonna call him probably that day and <laughs> see what we can work out. Exactly, uh, John. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this episode? Um, Not much I can think of off the top of my head. I tell you what, you know, I. After talking to him, and I know it was only briefly about that, and I know he didn't have a lot of time to walk around, but I need to get out to Overland Expo. I think we should, uh, Whelan should do that. Yeah, next year or something. Yeah. We got to try to do that because. <laughs> One or both events. Exactly. Sounds like there's some cool stuff out there. Oh, man, absolutely. I, I want to go for sure. I'm, I'm bummed we couldn't make it this year, but looking at that as we have to go next year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. let, let's hope it happens. John, do for your sure. thing, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and have a good one, everybody.